Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Wall, Director of Public Affairs. Today we're joined by Spencer Tuma, our Director of National Legislative Programs. We're going to talk about her recent trip to Washington, D.C. Spencer, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. It's great to be back. Yeah, it's uh, been a while since you've been in Washington, D.C., but mm-hmm. you and our president, Garrett Hawkins, were able to go out there for the Council of Presidents meeting uh, last week. And um, what was it like? Yeah, so it had been a while since I'd been to Washington. I was actually talking with some other uh, Farm Bureau staffers from around the country, and we calculated it up, and it had been 570 days since I had been to Washington. So um, it certainly had been a long time, uh, but we were out, um, as you mentioned, for the American Farm Bureau Council of Presidents meeting. So that's a meeting where state Farm Bureau presidents from around the country, including President Hawkins, were able to gather in Washington to hear from various speakers and then have the opportunity to network and also visit Capitol Hill. So it was really great to be back. Um, Washington, I would say, is starting to open up quite a little bit. Um, I don't know what it was like at the height of the pandemic because I wasn't there. Um, So I've only heard, you know, stories and, and things that others have told me. But for the most part, we were very pleased uh, and able to make most of our visits. So we were really glad to be back in person. So what was different? Like, did what, did they still have some of the fencing up or did they have some restrictions still on what you could do? Yeah. So there were a few restrictions in place. The fence around the Capitol actually has come down. I actually joked with a few people that they must have heard that President Hawkins and I were coming because <laughs> they took the fence down two days before we got there. Ah. So we were very pleased. Um, so you're able to walk freely on the Capitol grounds. Unfortunately, the Capitol building itself is due uh, is still closed, uh, and that is due to both COVID-19 restrictions as well as security concerns from the protesting that took place earlier this year. So while the Capitol itself is closed, the office buildings are still open for business. So um, normally when I go out to Washington, I go through security to get into the office buildings, and then I'm able to go and make visits kind of on my own time. So if I have a few minutes between meetings, normally there's a cafeteria I can sit in or somewhere where I can plug in my phone or my computer and and make sure everything's charged up. Uh, The biggest restriction or change I would say is that now that kind of free time as I uh, was used to previously is no more. So right now someone has to meet you at the entrance to the office buildings uh, from the office that you're meeting in and then they have to escort you directly to the office. Mm -hmm. If you happen to have a meeting in the same building directly afterwards, they also have to escort you directly to the next office. Mm -hmm. So um, it's it's a little bit different. It kind of feels like there's like hall monitors all around but like all things considered I was just happy to be back so and and the house staff and senate staff you know they have been doing this for a couple of weeks now so they're very well versed in the process and and everybody really had it under control by the time I got there yeah. so and there's just not that hustle and bustle around the, the hallways like there usually is I guess right no um certainly a lot less people in Washington than I'm used to especially during the summer you see a lot of yeah. families on vacation and that sort of thing now I did see some of that um but you're exactly right normally in the hallways of the office buildings Honestly, when I come out for meetings, it's very likely I see someone I know Mm -hmm. in the hallway, right? And um, the hallways were pretty empty because it was only people being escorted um, back and forth. So that was a little bit different. Sounds like, you know, if things continue to um, get better with the pandemic, that hopefully things will start to open up more. But um, we're just taking it day by day at this point. Were the tourist attractions open too? Like the 
Smithsonian museums and those type of things, do you know? Um, so I didn't walk down by the Smithsonian's, but I think a lot of the museums and most attractions I've looked into, because, you know, we are going to try to take our DC fly-in group this fall since it's been canceled so many times. Most of the tours I have looked up, um, the places are open. Now, there may or may not be masking restrictions mm-hmm. depending on if the tour is an all indoor tour or an outdoor um, experience. So um, all the monuments, of course, they've been open this whole time, but um, museums and stuff, it just kind of seems like it's on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a lot different than Missouri, but... <laughs> it is. Um, but I will say, like, you know, we've we've seen all these things on the news about restaurants being closed and that sort of thing. You know, I'm, I'm happy to report it looked like most restaurants were open. Um, you might have to, you know, some people had masking requirements when you walk to your table. Um, but for the most part, you know, in, in the evenings, I did see people out and about eating at restaurants. Um, so um, I think things are starting to get a lot better. Good. Well, let's hope it keeps on going that direction. Yeah. So um, back to the Council of Presidents itself mm-hmm. at AFBF. Um, this is the first one that President Hawkins has been able to yep. attend. Um, how did the the council go? How did everything go with his first trip there? Everything went really, really great. We were really excited to see everybody in person, both the presidents and also the national affairs coordinators from all the state farm bureaus. You know, this is really the first time President Hawkins has had the ability to visit with his peers in person. He's been on a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of phone calls with his peers, but, um, you know, has been really hard to get together with people. And so it was really great opportunity for him to be with all of the other state farm Bureau presidents. He, of course, did a great job representing Missouri Farm Bureau when we were talking with speakers and various stakeholders who were at the meeting. So um, I think overall it went really well. Good, good. And yeah, you mentioned the speakers. So let's go through a little bit of that. And mm-hmm. um, you had a, a pretty heavy hitting lineup yeah. of speakers that, uh, that came in front of the, the Council of Presidents. Mm-hmm. Um, who were the, some of the highlights of your, your roster there? Yeah, so as you mentioned, a lot of heavy hitters, a lot of really big names in agriculture policy right now. Um, so the conference actually kicked off with remarks from Senator Debbie Stabenow, uh, who is the chairman of the Senate Agriculture Committee. She's a Democrat from Michigan. Um, she actually joined us virtually because I believe she was back in Michigan that week, um, but, but was able to join us. And uh, President Hawkins asked her a question on the proposed elimination of the stepped-up basis and the infrastructure proposal. So a really good opportunity to raise that issue. We also heard from ranking member John Bozeman, who's a ranking member of the Senate Ag Committee, Republican from Arkansas. Uh, He was able to join us in person. We had EPA Administrator Michael Regan, who was recently confirmed. He's originally from North Carolina. And then uh, we also had uh, Deputy Secretary of USDA, Dr. Jewel Bernal, uh, who was recently confirmed. And then finally, uh, the one I actually, I think, enjoyed the most was the U.S. Trade Representative, Catherine Tai, mm-hmm. um, who who joined us in person to visit about the Biden trade agenda. So all very interesting speakers. Great. Well, and a lot of times when you <laughs> see these uh, political type speakers, mm-hmm. you just hear the same talking points that you hear everywhere else. Was there anything you heard from them that was... You know, really new to uh, newsworthy to you or 
things that were takeaways that changed your changed your view of something? Yeah, so I don't know that I would say I, I had any moment where I changed my view on anything, but we, we certainly did hear a lot. It's been interesting for me, Eric, over the past you know several months. I had previously only served in this role under a Republican White House. Mm-hmm. And so the change from President Trump to President Biden has been very, very different. And so um, a lot of the speakers we heard from were very adamant about the president's climate agenda. Agenda, um, as well as, you know, various proposals that we're seeing on Capitol Hill. A lot of those things, you know, s- some of those things align with Farm Bureau policy. The administration certainly has a strong focus on broadband deployment. And I think that's an area of common ground that that we can continue to work from. Um, but they certainly have some differing opinions on climate and sustainability and their various definitions of that. Certainly the EPA is planning to uh, redo the navigable waters protection rule, which is something we are very, very concerned about. And it was just interesting to hear the change in priorities. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's not really unexpected, but it was the first time I'd really had the opportunity to like witness it in person. So yeah. it, was, it was an eye-opening experience for sure. And, and sometimes the value of uh, hearing these people speak in person mm-hmm. or directly to your group is that you can get a, a better feel for their tone. Yeah. And, how much they really emphasize particular things or or you can tell sometimes that they really believe in mm-hmm. a particular item or if they're just uh, towing the company line and yeah. saying what they know they have to say. Did you get any sense on any of these issues? You know, like the infrastructure thing has been getting so much attention and uh, climate as well that every department has been really talking mm-hmm. about these things. Are there some some of these things that seem like, you know, this is something they they're not just saying, they really are passionate about pushing on some of these things. Yeah, you know, I think the person I probably saw that come through the most, and actually there were two. So Ambassador Tai, I don't know if if the listeners are familiar with her background, but she spent several years as general counsel for the House Ways and Means Committee. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's clearly someone who has been deeply involved in trade policy for quite some time. And somebody... Because they have jurisdiction. Because they have jurisdiction. Exactly, right. Yes, for those who don't know, the House Ways and Means Committee has jurisdiction over trade policy in Congress. And So it was really interesting because she's someone who I think has worked on the career side of things and not just as a political appointee. Mm -hmm. And it was just incredible to hear her talk about various trade agendas and negotiations with the UK and USMCA. And she talked about dairy enforcement, which is something that Farm Bureau members have been really concerned about with USMCA. And you just when you listen to her, you think, wow, she really understands like what the technical details are of this. Another person who, um, you know, I I thought was very genuine was Dr. Bernal from USDA. She certainly had a lot of thoughts on broadband deployment in particular and how USDA can play a role in that. Uh, But she also, in her previous role, she was commissioner of basically the Virginia equivalent of the Missouri Department of Ag. It's called, it has a much longer name, but it's (laughs) kind of like the Virginia Department of Ag. Um, But she talked a lot about in that previous role, she had stood up a pretty robust mental health initiative in the state of Virginia. And that's something that our members here in Missouri are increasingly kind of concerned about and aware of. Um, And she offered a lot of comments relative to mental health that I thought, oh, wow, like, this could be something we could take back to our state and really think about. So um, she was clearly very passionate about it, and it really shined through in her remarks. Yeah, and that's nice when you've had somebody in there that has experience having served in a state-level role. Absolutely. They they Mm -hmm. really know what it's like to try to get a a program up and running with the the 
the limited resources a state government department has. So that's that's good that she has that passion because it really does matter for us. For sure. Um, so when's the next time that President Hawkins is going to have an opportunity like this to get back together with you know, his, his peers mm-hmm. and hear from others. So the Council of Presidents meeting occurs yearly, but it's not the only time the presidents meet. The next opportunity, I believe, for all of the presidents will, to be together will be the resolutions meeting for the AFBF Resolutions Committee in December. So for those who are familiar or maybe not familiar with Farm Bureau policy development, after the Missouri Farm Bureau annual meeting, President Hawkins will review all of the policy recommendations adopted by our voting delegates, determine which ones are to be forwarded to American Farm Bureau, because remember, some of the policies we will pass have to do with state-level policy only, and some of them are more national policy. So he'll look at those national policy initiatives and then decide which to forward to American Farm Bureau. The week after our annual meeting, the AFBF Resolutions Committee meets, and that AFBF Resolutions Committee is made up of state presidents from every state farm bureau in Puerto Rico. So mm-hmm. that should be the next time they're all together in Washington. Right. And then after that, I guess the next month, they'll be going to AFBF annual meeting. Yep. And that'll be in Atlanta, Georgia this That's year? That's right. This yep. coming year? Yep. Yeah, well. Well, it's like this year, but it's technically next year because it's <laughs> in January 22. So. Right. It yes. Is, and it'll be nice since uh, this past year's in-person meeting got canceled. So right. Looking forward to actually seeing everyone again for that. Um, so the other uh, thing that you did while you were in D.C. was go do some visits on mm-hmm. the Hill, actually meet with some of our Missouri um, legislators and uh, lawmakers and their staffs. So tell us about that. How did the those visits go? Yeah, so the visits went really well. The Senate was in session the week that we were there, um, but unfortunately the House was out of session. So we got to meet in person with Senators Blunt and Hawley to visit about Farm Bureau priorities and then had the opportunity to visit with staff members on the House side, kind of staff members who handle agriculture in their daily portfolio uh, to talk about those same issues. So I think we made it to almost every single office. There was uh, one office that was out of town and no one was in that day. And then um, another one that I had to hit the next day because our schedule was a little bit tight. So um, all in all, we were able to at least visit with all members of the delegation and, and we're glad to do so. And what, what were some of the topics that were really um, top of those conversations? So a lot of the topics that I mentioned the speakers talked about while we were in D.C. kind of mirrored some of the discussions we had on the Hill. So we talked a lot about infrastructure and the various discussions going on in Congress. We talked about rural broadband, certainly talked about Farm Bureau's position on the climate agenda and and also regulatory issues as well. So uh, we really ran the gamut. Um, We talked about tax issues with the proposed elimination of the stepped-up basis. Um, I kind of laughed. I told President Hawkins, you know, sky's the limit. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. And um, we we had a good time and, and covered a lot of ground. And, and I think um, we're able to really, really convey our position in a, in a very succinct and concise way. It, it, what was a, your, your sense of where things are going? Like right now, the big discussions this week are about the infrastructure mm-hmm. bills um, that are trying to work their way through Congress. Did you get a feel from those meetings about where they thought those were going? I'm going to preface this by saying I wish I had a better answer. (laughs) So um, it seems like, and and we've kind of known this for a while, but hearing it from multiple people, you know, it seemed to really solidify it. You know, the infrastructure negotiations are largely taking place between Senate Democrats and the White House. Pretty much the only Republicans that are involved are Senate leadership, so Leader McConnell, um, and House uh, Minority Floor Leader Kevin McCarthy, or Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. 
other than that, it, it doesn't appear that there's a whole lot of bipartisan negotiation going on. It seemed like when we were there and, and continuing into this week, they, they kind of say like, oh, we have a deal. And then like an hour later, they're like, oh, well, someone decided they are not in. So we don't have a deal anymore. One thing I want to stress to people is right now, um, the negotiations are still very fluid and there is no legislative text up for discussion. So right now, all we're hearing about is concepts. And that can be really confusing to the general public. Because you might hear something on the news and think like, oh, well, this is what Congress is going to vote on. We are not even close to that. Yeah, I mean, unless and Congress could make a liar out of me because they might have bill text later today. But um, so far, we've not seen bill text. So as far as I'm concerned, negotiations are still wide open. Yeah, until you get that final text, you just don't know because a lot of people are keeping their powder dry until... Mm -hmm. They get a chance to really look at it. And there are so many political strings attached to this. I don't have to tell you that, but, you know, supposedly we're going to do a bipartisan infrastructure bill. But in order to get enough support for that, they want to do a reconciliation bill, which means it only has to get 51 votes in the Senate. And that's going to be more of what they're calling like social infrastructure and we don't have to go into what I think that does or does not mean on this podcast. Because <laughs> no like, one knows what when that No means. one really knows what that means. And it's clearly that the social infrastructure package is clearly going to be a purely partisan bill. Mm-hmm. All of the things that are not bipartisan are going in the social infrastructure bill. I think that probably hurts the chances of the bipartisan bill, to yeah. be quite honest with you. And so um, it's also confusing because there's like two different proposals. Mm-hmm that are tied together, that are like not the same, but hooked together. And, and so. every time that you have like a group of, you know, the group of five or the gang of five or the yeah. gang of eight or whatever, uh-huh. and you have these people that are negotiating allegedly on behalf of their whole conference, well, they're really not speaking for everyone because right. every individual senator still gets to cast a vote and yep. they don't have to go along with it just because this group yep. agreed to it. So. I think there's a long way to go before they get to anything. Supposedly, supposedly the House says that they want to pass the social infrastructure bill before the bipartisan infrastructure bill because Speaker Pelosi wants to ensure that the more social infrastructure bill gets done first. Mm -hmm. I think the Senate may have a different strategy, but... You know, it's Congress. Like, (laughs) that's all I'll say. It's Congress. We're not sure. That could very, very, very likely poison the well for actually getting the bipartisan one done. And and the margins are so thin. Like, it's just really hard to get anything passed at this point. Yeah, because they've got literally no margin in the Senate. Right. Tiebreak margin. Mm -hmm. And then in the House, it's like five five votes. I believe it's, yeah, six, Six, I think. Yeah, it's gotten down to basically nothing. It seems to change day by day. So, but it it, it is somewhere... from five to seven, depending yeah. on the day. And who shows up to vote. Right. Um, but yeah, out of 435, five or six is not a very big margin. As, as we've said on this podcast before, when the margins are slim, everybody's a kingmaker. Exactly. So Good deal. Well, so as we wrap up here, we have to ask our question of the I week. forgot about this. Oh, well. Oh, no. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll go easy on you, though. So first time back in D.C., and how many days was it? 500 and some odd? 570. Okay. Yep. Um, what did, You may not have had an opportunity to do this because I know you had a packed schedule, but mm-hmm. when you do go to D.C. more often, uh, what's your favorite restaurant to go to? 
Oh, gosh. That's a really good question. And I know Tortilla Co's closed, so. Okay, no, so they didn't. What? So, yeah, so supposedly they put out that they were going to close as like a marketing ploy, but someone told me they were still open. Big news. Yeah, wow. so people like saved Tortilla Co's. Um, I actually, <laughs> that's not my answer, but it's a I. It's they didn't close. It so was crappy. I have two, and I don't necessarily know that they're my favorites, but they're places I always end up going. Uh-huh. Um, so I like Bullfeathers, which nice. is right next to Tortilla Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like Tune In, which is like a total dive. Yes, but um, anyway, it's it's a good time. Well, so uh, my favorites are We the Pizza, uh huh, and Good Stuff. The burger okay, place, yeah, yeah. Right next to it. I'll I have never that. been to We the Pizza, but I've walked by it like yeah, a thousand it's times. Delicious. So I'm Owned gonna have to try Spike it. Spike Mendelson, who was a contestant on like the first or second season of Top Chef. Really? Yeah, it's what? very good stuff. I learned something new today. <laughs> well, huh. You'll have to go try that out. The That's interesting. I now did try a. Regularly. I tried a new place for the first time in DC. I tried Osteria Marini. Yeah, so the Navy Yard. It was very good. Yeah. So. That's anyway. where I went the last time I was there, which was probably longer ago than since you've been there. <laughs> so someday soon. Well, we'll I'm keeping it on my list. It came highly recommended, and it lived up to the hype. Good. So, and uh, I guess as we close here, uh, next time you'll be back, though, um, we'll be hopefully in. September and October, yeah. right, with uh, members. What's uh, what's the plan there? Yeah, so we are really looking forward to having our, I'm going to call it the backlogged fly-ins. Um, so we had to cancel, as many know on this podcast, the 2020 fly-in. We had to cancel it, I think, like four days before we were supposed to go. It was very heartbreaking. Very, It was, <laughs> traumatic, it was very yes. traumatic. Um, and then, unfortunately, because things were still so locked down this year, we couldn't go. So um, the 2019 Resolutions Committee and the 2020 Resolutions Committee are all eligible to go on the trip. So basically, because of some continued restrictions at our hotel, we've had to make the group smaller. We can't just take one big group. So we're splitting into the three smaller groups. Uh, we're going to take two groups out this fall and then one group next spring. Um, so if you are eligible to go on the trip, you should have received information about that, and we'll be getting back with in touch with you with further details. Great. Well, I'll look forward to going out there again, and hopefully you'll be totally back to normal by the time we make those trips. I'm so ready. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us and uh, look forward to getting back to DC some more. All right. Thanks. We'll talk soon.